Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Amen. What's well, so good to be here with you guys in Bay City, Texas. This is my second time being here. It's been a couple of years, and so I'm, I'm glad to be back want to thank Pastor Noe for the opportunity to come and share with you today uh, about what God is doing in our lives and, and, uh, and, and the Word of God as well today. Uh, my wife and I, are we have founded a ministry called Kingdom Ventures International. Uh, back in 2020, we were pastors for 17 years in different places, and God called us back into the mission field full-time. And so we're excited about that. And I just want to say thank you guys so much because this church partners with us and what we do in the nation of Peru. And uh, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing without people like you and without churches like you. So we want to thank your pastors and we want to thank you as well. Uh, Before I get started, I want to just share with you really quickly uh, one of the things that we're doing to reach people in the Peruvian Amazon. We primarily work about six months out of the year in Peru. And my wife and I are going into places where uh, there's lots of water, but it's dirty water. And people are sick. Children are sick. They have parasites and and, uh, lots of things like that. And so God has blessed us, and we have found a solution for that in bucket filters. And these filters are amazing. Uh, they cost uh, It costs us $50 to put one of those in a home in a remote village in the Peruvian Amazon. And one of those filters will filter 100,000 gallons of water, which is amazing. Uh, they last upwards of 20 years if they're taken care of properly. So we really can change the generation of a family with that water filter. And one of the things that we love is we're seeing what... What we do is we use that as a tool to give us the opportunity to go into a village and provide clean water, and then we can follow that with the living water of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, it's not very hard to preach the living water when you've given somebody clean water. Don and Judy Pierce were there with us uh, last year. We had a great time. I think they got to go to about three different villages with us, uh, do some distributions, do some follow-ups. And I want to just share with you real quick before I get in the Word how we do that, because we don't just go and take the filters and drop them off and leave, we're using that to create uh, relationships with villages and relationships with families. We have a team that's working in Peru right now. They were in a village uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, working. And uh, my wife and I are very thankful for that because this is the first year that we've been able to have a team working in Peru while we're back here in the U.S. traveling and and, uh, raising support for that. And so basically what we do is we go to a village and we find out how many homes are in the village, how many people are in the village, and we look and see what the uh, water source that they're drinking out of. Most of them are drinking directly out of the river, and then we find out how many homes are in that village so that we know how much we need to be able to bring clean water to the whole village. And then once we raise that money, we can go and buy the filters, and we take them in there for a a distribution day. And on that distribution day, we take a team with us, and we assemble the filters, and then we, we gather the whole community together, and We give a demonstration on how the filters work, how to properly care for the filters, how to clean them and uh, take care of them because that's the biggest part of it is if they take care of them, they'll last for upwards of 20 years. If they don't take care of them, they may last for two weeks. And so that's the big part. And so we give that demonstration and then we preach the gospel and then we put barcodes on these filters. And I believe we've got some pictures. I don't know if we can throw some of those up where you can actually see on the map. If you see all those different colored dots, I don't know how good you can see it up here, but all 
all of those different colored dots represent one of our filters along the river system. That's the village of Nuevo Chisa where, where uh, Don and Judy were with us. That's a village in Alcayo. And you can see where the, uh, the filters actually are on the map. And so what that gives us the opportunity to do is after the distribution, we get that information. And then we, we tell the people we're coming back three times in the next two months. And what we do is we go home to home. We make sure that they're properly maintaining the filters. But what it also does is it gives us another opportunity to share the gospel with them if they're not saved. And if they are saved, it gives us an opportunity to do discipleship with them and pray for the needs of the family and get them connected with the local church in their village and in their context. And God's God is doing some great things through that. And so we appreciate your prayers. Uh, we appreciate your support. We just want to say thank you for helping us. And we just want to give you a visual to kind of see what we're doing. I can tell you this, because of churches like you, uh, last year, six entire villages have clean drinking water and have had the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. Those pastors in those villages have been encouraged. And uh, we're looking to do more this year. What our goal is this year is we're trying to do two villages per month, and that's installs and uh, three follow-ups for each of those villages. And our team is working diligently there, so that'll be 24 if we make it this year. How many of you have got a goal you want to do something for Jesus? Amen? I know that that's a big thing, but we believe God is going to help us to do that. And uh, we're just thankful for, for the opportunity to come and share with you today. Well, I want to get into the Word this morning. And I want to start by asking you a question before I do. What's more important than your life? That's the question I want to ask you because when you find something more important than your life, you found your purpose. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's amazing when you live for something other than yourself. What I've found is I, I have the opportunity to travel is a lot of people just live for their self. They live for their life. They live to, to get the best that they can. And what I find is, is in, 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 in many places, I hear young people talking to me and say, man, I don't really know what I'm created for. I don't really know what I'm called to do. And if I could just find that, I would be excited and I would go after it. Or maybe we find older people or more mature saints that feel like maybe time has passed me by. And, you know, I, I could have had a purpose, but now I'm just holding on. I'm just waiting until I go to be with the Lord. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But Paul actually found his purpose. And it's an amazing thing. I want to read a verse to you out of the Passion Translation. And it's actually in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. And I love this verse because he says some amazing things in this verse. I'm going to read it to you out of the Passion Translation. It's Acts 20, 24. And I thought how neat this was because we're actually living in the year 2024. And so think about this. Paul is speaking, he says, but whether I live or die is not important. That's a bold statement. Whether I live or die, it's not important. I don't esteem my life as indispensable. It's more important for me to fulfill my destiny and to finish the ministry my Lord Jesus has assigned to me, which is to faithfully preach the wonderful news of God's grace. Friends, Paul found something that was more important to him than life itself. And it was the call of God on his life. And he said, I have got to preach this gospel. And many of us will say, well, I'm off the hook because I'm not a preacher. Right? That, that, that's not for me. That's not talking about me. But how many of you know that word preach means to proclaim? And you have ways that you can proclaim the gospel everywhere you go. It doesn't mean just standing on a platform and preaching like we're doing. And what I'm hoping is, is before the end of this meeting today, that you're going to be able to see that God has called you and God has given you a ministry. And we're going to talk about that today. If you've got your Bible, 
I want to encourage you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 11 through 21, and then I want to just go through these verses and share them with you today. So I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation today, 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11. But we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. God knows we're sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We're giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person that is in this place. And I thank you that none of us are here by accident, God. None of us are here because you didn't want us to be here. And Father, I thank you today for the power in your word to change our hearts from the inside out. God, I ask you today that you would move in this room, that you would touch our hearts, that you would stir us up, God, to understand, Jesus, what it is that you did on the cross for us and to understand this responsibility that you've given us this privilege that you've given us to share that good news with others today. God, I pray that you would light a fire in each and every person in this place today and that none of us would leave this place the same way we came in. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So verse 11 says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. We work hard to persuade others. I love that word persuade. And, and Paul's saying, listen, because we understand that we're going to have to give an account to God one day, we have a, we have a fearful responsibility. We're going to have to stand before him one day. He says, we work, we're working hard to persuade others. Now, that word persuade is a, is a really neat word. I like it because we use it all the time. You and I are persuaders. Whether you realize it or not, how many of you know that many of us are going to leave today and we're going to go out to eat lunch somewhere and many of us are going to work as hard as we can to persuade people to go to the restaurant we want to go to? You know what I'm talking about. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You already got it in your mind. You're already thinking about it. I'm going to work my angle. I'm going to persuade as hard as I can. No, we went there last week. I want to go here. Or maybe some of you men are trying to figure out how to persuade your wife to buy that new boat you'd like or that new gun that you would like. You know what I'm talking about? And you can come up with reasons, right? Man, I need that. 
Or, or maybe some of the women are thinking, I need, I'm, I'm thinking of ways that I can persuade my husband to buy that new pair of shoes that I would like to put in the closet. You understand what I'm talking about. We know how to persuade. And Paul is talking here and he's saying, look, we're persuading others. What are they doing? They're using that ability that God has given to each and every one of us that we use for selfish reasons many times. And he's saying, listen, you can use your persuasive ability to point people to Jesus and his way instead of your way. Amen. And Paul's saying, listen, that's what we're doing here. Verse 12, he says, are we commending ourselves to you again? In other words, are we bragging no we're giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and he's saying listen are we bragging like like these other guys no we're not bragging we're telling you what God is doing through us and we're blessing you and we're sharing with you and he's saying listen we're not bragging about having spectacular ministries obviously in in, uh, Corinth there were people going around bragging about their ministries and talking about all the things that God is doing through them and all these great things. If anybody had an opportunity to brag, it would have been the Apostle Paul. Amen. And he's saying, we're not bragging about that because God is not interested as much in spectacular ministries as he's interested in sincere hearts. Look at what this verse says. God is more interested in sincere hearts than spectacular ministries. God is looking for people today that love him with all of their heart. Many times we look and we see spectacular ministries and we say, wow, look how amazing that is. But we don't know that person's heart. What did, what did Jesus say in the Gospels? There, there are going to be people that say, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? I love the power of God moving and to see prophetic ministry and to see demons being cast out. That's an amazing thing. We love that and we're supposed to pursue that. But there are going to be people, according to the scriptures, that have cast out demons and have prophesied. And what is Jesus going to say? Depart from me because I don't even know who you are. In other words, you had a spectacular ministry, but your heart wasn't sincere. You were doing it for yourself. You were doing it for your own motives. And Paul is warning them here and he's saying, look, God is not as interested in spectacular ministries as he is in sincere hearts. Now I want to encourage you today, look at your heart. I need to look at my heart. Verse 13 says, if it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Obviously, people in Corinth were thinking Paul was crazy. They were thinking something's going on in this guy's life. He's a little bit loco. You know, he's, he's not all there. He's doing things and he's saying things that don't quite line up with what the world is telling us and what the world is doing. He was doing things that people thought were crazy, but he was doing it for God's glory. I want to tell you today, if you obey the Bible today, people are going to think you're crazy. If you actually obey the scriptures today, you don't have to take your King James Bible to, uh, to work and hit people on the head with it. All you got to do is obey it. If you obey the Bible in today's culture, people are going to call you crazy, I promise you. If you give, if you serve, if you live like Jesus, if you walk like Jesus and you talk like Jesus, the world is going to look at you and say you're crazy. That's what Paul is telling us here. If it seems like we're crazy, it's for the glory of God. Listen, if people are going to think you're crazy, let them think you're crazy because you're acting like Jesus, not because you're acting crazy, amen? God is looking for some people who will obey him. And I promise you, if you will obey God, your family's going to think you're crazy. My family's like talked to me before and said, are you sure? 
You know, are, are you really going to do this? That's what you're thinking about doing? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it for God's glory, not my glory, right? And that's what God is looking for is people that are saying, listen, we're going to do this for the glory of God. Verse 14, he says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. I love this verse. Paul is saying here, Christ's love controls us. I got a question for you. What's controlling you today? What's controlling my family today? What's controlling the United States of America today? Is it the love of Christ? And I want to tell you, my wife and I are blessed because we, it, it, it's kind of a weird, uh, um, it, it's a weird life in, in a sense because we spend half the year in the U.S. and then we spend the other half of the year in uh, Peru and a lot of that is on the Amazon where they have nothing. I'm telling you, it, there are no comforts. There are no creature comforts. If they have a bed, it's like a, a, a wooden, wooden slats that they sleep on. Uh, if they, there, there's no mattresses, uh, uh, none of that type of stuff out in the jungle. And so I live part of the year there and I live part of the year here and I get to see the church in Peru and I get to see the church in the U.S. And when I come back to the U.S., and don't get me wrong, I love comfort. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I love to be comfortable just as much as anybody. But what I, what I see is, is when I come back, it takes me a while to adjust because I sit on a chair like that and it's like, oh my gosh, that feels so good. Man, it's comfortable. But I'm going to tell you, if you sit on a hard uh, uh, piece of wood and you sit there, you're not going to sit down very long. You're going, you're going to get up and find something to do because that's not comfortable. And what I worry about in America many times is, is we get so comfortable in our lives that it's easy to just sit there and not really be about the Father's business. Paul was saying here, the love of Christ controls us. One of the things I think many times here in the U.S. is that the love of comfort and the love of pleasure is what's really controlling us. And it's so easy for me to fall back into that when I come back. I'll give you an example. If you think about this for a minute, do you know how amazing it is in life that you can actually control your environment? You can control the temperature everywhere you go here. In your house, if you're a little bit too hot, turn the A.C. on. If you're a little bit too cold, turn the heater on. Then you walk outside. I walked outside for maybe three seconds, jumped into a vehicle that was already running and the heater was on, right? Got in there. Then I came from that. I got out just a little bit. It was a little bit chilly and I made it into the house. I made it into the church. Feels great in here. And we're controlling all of this to our comfort, to our comfort level. Do you realize that 200 years ago, even kings didn't have that? That you have. It's crazy to think about Solomon and all of his glory and all of his splendor and all the things he had. When it was hot in the summertime, Solomon was sweating with all of his gold. And we live in a time where, where comfort is so easy. And, it, and, and I, I believe if we're not careful, what begins to happen is we begin to get controlled by comfort and by pleasure even more than by the word of God, even more than by the love of Christ. And I'm, I'm talking to myself. I want to give you an example, and I'm not saying anything bad. Like I said, I'm not talking about comfort, so don't feel like I'm stepping on your toes because I know what it feels like. Two years ago, I went to a village called Wakrachiro, on the uh, Ukayali River way down, and I had left, 
And I was, I was in this village, and it was, I was by myself. And I'm telling you, I was getting attacked that night so bad. It was my first night in that village. And I mean, all these things were just coming against my mind. It was so hot, and it was so uncomfortable, and I'm trying to sleep. And I got to get up in the morning and preach. And I'm just like, God, this is so miserable. And the devil's just attacking my mind all night long because what had happened is my wife and I, for the first time, had bought a nice mattress. We bought a sleep number mattress. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We, found, we got this thing on sale. 50% off. I said, man, I can't pass that up. That's a great deal. We got this thing, and I'm telling y'all, that was such an amazing mattress, and the devil the whole night I was there was telling me, boy, if you were home in your bed, it would be so comfortable, and I'm thinking, oh, you're right, man. Why am I doing this? I'm sweating. I'm on this little hard thing, and it's horrible, and it's terrible, and I got up, and I just fought all night. I got up the next morning, and we had some great meetings, and God began to move, and I was like, praise God, and when I got back, I told my wife, I said, baby, we got to sell that sleep number, because that thing is getting me. It's, it's, it's getting me. And I'm not telling you to sell your bed. I'm just telling you, I understood in that moment what was controlling me because the devil was trying to use that to stop me from doing what God was calling me to do. And for me, I felt like that was the right thing to do. And so what is controlling you today? That's what I want to ask you. The, the next part of that verse says, that he died for all, since we believe that Christ died for all. How many of you believe that Jesus died for everybody? We believe he died for everybody, don't we? He died for the people that look like me, the people that don't look like me, the people that talk like me, the people that don't talk like me, people from every ethnicity, every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. Jesus died for them. And he says, it says, since we believe Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. I have a question for you this morning. Have you died to your old life? Have you died to your old life? Do you have an old life? And this is where I think a lot of people have a problem today because we don't want to die to our old life. What we want to do is add Jesus to our existing life. And we want to say, Jesus, you come and be a part of my life, but I want to keep my life. And that's not what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to lay down our lives for his sake. Amen. Verse 15 says this, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Man, I love this. It says Jesus died for everyone so that. Everybody say so that. It's so that those who receive his new life, right? Who are, who are those that receive his new life? That's us, right? That's the church. That's the ones that have received this new life that Jesus came to give. This is not talking about our natural life. This is not talking about our thought life. This is talking about the Zoe life that only comes through a relationship with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the life that he's talking about here. And he's saying Jesus died for everyone so that those that receive would no longer live for themselves but would live for him. They would live this new life for him and not for them. So according to this verse, how do you know if you've received this new life? What's the litmus test that you've received Christ? Is it responding to an altar call? Is it serving on a, on a ministry team? Is it giving tithes? Is it giving offerings? Is that what tells us if we've received new life or not? Or is it a new life? And according to this verse, it's they're going to live a new life. They're going to have a new life. They're no longer going to live for themselves. And it's impossible to live his new life if I'm living for myself. Amen? Have you, have you figured that out? 
in your walk with God. You can't live your life and live his life at the same time. You've got to choose. If you want that new life, if you want that Zoe life of God, you've got to be willing to lay down your life and your desires and your wants and those types of things. And that's not a very popular message, I know, but it was what Jesus preached. In the Passion Translation, that same verse, verse 15, I love it. It says, so that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives. Everybody say that with me. Self-absorbed lives. Would no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him, the one who died for us and now live, lives again. Many of us live for ourselves and not Christ. What is a self-absorbed life? What does that look like? It's a life that's consumed by me, making me happy, pleasing myself instead of pleasing God. That's what a self-absorbed life is. Self-absorbed lives live where we want versus God, where do you want me? A self-absorbed life spends time on what I want versus God, what can we do together today? A self-absorbed life buys what I want instead of God, what would you have me do with this money? A self-absorbed life goes where it wants instead of being led by the Spirit of God. A self-absorbed life serves when it's convenient, serves when I want versus God, where would you have me serve today? I know I'm meddling now. Self-absorbed life says I'll go to church when I want to instead of meeting regularly in the body, right? I got something else to do today. I got, I got this going on. God, you understand. I got to live my life, right? No, he doesn't understand. He understands living his life. We can live the self-absorbed life or we can live the life poured out for him. What does that look like? If I want to be more like Jesus, this is something God's been speaking to me lately. If I want to be more like Jesus, I've got to be less like me. Have you ever thought about that? We all say, how many of you honestly, do you want to be more like Jesus? I know I want to be more like Jesus every day. But what does that mean in reality? What does that mean in living that out? It means if I want to be more like Jesus, I'm going to have to be less like James. Don, if you want to be more like Jesus, you're going to have to be less like Don if you're going to be more like Jesus because the more, and the, the, the more I look at Jesus in the Scripture, the more I realize I don't look very much like him. There's a lot of things Jesus does that James doesn't do yet, but I'm working on that and I'm working on laying down my desires for his desires. Amen? I remember when I was in Bible college, my wife and I had a, had a pastor in... Uh, she would lead prayer every morning. Her name was Pastor Rena, and I'll never forget this. She said this every morning when we would pray, and it really imp impacted my life. She would say, we would come in to pray early in the morning, and she would say, let me tell you guys something. Did you know today that you can have all of God that you want? You can have all of God you want today. He's not pouring the Holy Spirit out sparingly. You can have all of God you want today, but here's the catch. As much of you as you're willing to pour out, he's willing to fill up. As much of you as you're willing to pour out, we're talking about the self-absorbed life versus the life poured out for him. She would say, as much of you as you're willing to pour out, God is willing to pour in if you'll ask him, but you've got to make the room. You've got to be willing to make the room. See, many times this is what I think. We come to church or we come to the presence of God and it would be like if I had a full cup of tea and I come to you and I say, hey, could you give me some water with this full cup of tea? And you say, hey, there's no room. 
You don't have any room for water. You got a full cup of tea. But if I want some of that water, what can I do? I can pour my tea out and then I can be ready to receive what you have. Many times we come to God and we come to church and we're so full of ourselves and we're so full of the things that we're doing. We're so full of the things that are important to us that there's no room for God to pour what he wants to pour into us. Is that okay this morning? That's the truth this morning. I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. Sometimes we have to take a break and pour some things out of our lives so that God can pour some things into our lives. Now I want to share this with you this morning. God doesn't want to just save you from something. God wants to save you to something. There's a difference because many times we, we major on what God is saving us from. Thank God for salvation because God is saving me from my sins. God is saving me from the devil. God is saving me. The biggest thing is from the wrath of God that's coming upon the sons of disobedience. God is saving me from all of these things. Praise God. But if you stop there, what you begin to think is, is that you're the object of God's salvation instead of understanding that God saved you from those things, but he saved you to new life. He saved you to this Zoe life that he wants to pour into you so that he can make you something that you couldn't have been on your own. So that he can take that life that you have poured out and he can pour his life into you and he can use you in this day and time to make an impact in the area that you're living in right now. That's what God wants to do. But he's got to have somebody that's willing to pour themselves out so that he can pour himself in. I'm talking to somebody this morning and that you're even worried about, you're, you're thinking about even where you're working and you're saying this environment is a terrible environment and I'm telling you this morning that if you'll begin to pour out some of yourself, God wants to put so much Holy Ghost inside of you that when you go back to the office and you step in, there's going to be a change in the atmosphere, not because of what you can do, but because of what He can do. It's the same thing in your family. It's the same thing in your workplace, in your school. If we will pour out, God will pour in. And when God pours in, that new life that he pours in is going to change the environment all around you. Verse 16 says, So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Man, I love this verse. They looked at Jesus at one time and said, Oh yeah, Joseph and Mary's boy, you know, the carpenter, Joseph's son. You remember he's the one that fixed Mama's table last week. Got the shop up on the hill there. You know, he made them he made those high chairs for us for the kids not very long ago. Jesus, you know who you, you know who we're talking about. People actually thought of Jesus in that way. They they understood him from a human point of view. They understood him. But what happened is, is he says, look, we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view because at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. What do, what do we learn from this? Because when Jesus made the claims that he made and he said, I am that I am. And when he said, you destroy this temple and in three days I'm going to rebuild it. And he began to make these claims and he began to do this ministry and he lived a perfect sinless life and he went to the cross and he died and the Bible says on the third day he rose again and there were witnesses to that when he rose from the dead all of a the sudden they knew in that moment that he's not just Joseph's son he's the son of the living God and they said we can't think about him in that old way anymore now we understand him in a different way and can I tell you something this morning if you're in Christ 
If you've repented of your sins, that the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life and you're walking with him now, listen, you've got a before Christ and an after Christ, right? You've got a, you've got a life that's old life and then you went through the cross and now you came out on the other side and there's something different. And in the same way Paul is saying, we cannot look at them the same way, you can't look at yourself the same way. The devil wants to remind you of who you used to be. Some of us are crippled by the, the past. We're crippled by the things that we've done in the past and, and, and we're evaluating ourselves and others from a human point of view. But I'm going to tell you, when we've been changed by Christ and we're living his new life, we can't evaluate ourselves and we can't evaluate others based on the old life because you're not living that life anymore. Remember, you're living this new life in Christ, this Zoe life. It's a beautiful thing. You remember the woman at the well. Jesus met this woman at the well, John chapter 4, and she had a past. Well, she had a present at that time. Some scholars say she was there at that time of the day because she was so ashamed she didn't want to be there when the women came in the morning to draw water because of the way they treated her and the way that she was outcast from that society. She was a promiscuous woman. She had lived with many men. She met Jesus and Jesus basically read her mail with some prophetic words, some words of knowledge and he basically told her some things and in that meeting with Jesus all of a sudden that woman came into contact with this new life and the Bible says something really neat. It says she dropped her water, her water pail and she ran into the city and she began to tell people come and see a man that told me everything about myself. She dropped that water pail because she realized what she had found was new and living water and Jesus said when you drink from this water you will never run dry when you drink from this water rivers of living water will come up out of you and you will be watering others and what happened she began to testify you know what I love she didn't say pastor I need a class on evangelism she didn't say, Pastor Noah, when you give me those six-week classes on evangelism and I have gone through the membership at the church and, and, uh, and I've learned a little bit about this and I've learned a little bit about that, then I can really tell people about this new life that I found. No, she met Jesus. She dropped that bucket. She ran back into town and it wasn't her knowledge that brought people to Jesus. It was that new life that she had found that was on the inside of her. Now I want to tell you, she made room for Jesus. She poured out of herself and received him. And when she went back, Back into town, people were coming to hear Jesus, and their lives got changed. You couldn't look at the old life. She didn't say, well, you know, people are going to think this about me. They're going to know I was doing this. They're going to know I was doing that. They're not going to believe me. None of that mattered because there was new life on the inside of her. Now, I want to tell you this morning, friend, if you've received that new life in Christ, stop looking at your past. Stop looking at what you don't have. She didn't even need the bucket anymore because she had the Spirit of God living on the inside of her. You don't need man-made things to share the gospel. You need the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. And when you pour yourself out, He will pour Himself in and when you go places, people are going to know Jesus is living in you. They're going to know that new life is in you. Amen. Verse 17, I love this. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. I love this verse. This is my life verse because in 1998 off the coast of Malta on a Navy ship, I experienced this in my life. I experienced Jesus forgiving me of my sins and making me new, and he's still making me new. Now, I love 
what this verse says because it has a really amazing word. It says anyone who belongs to Christ. Who belongs to Christ. What does that mean? Anyone that belongs to Christ. How do I know if I belong to Christ? Have I become a new person? Are you new? Has something happened in you or am I still the same? Am I living a new life or am I still living that old life and I just add church on Sunday and Wednesday maybe? And maybe I'll come to the men's meeting tomorrow night, right? Am I living a new life? What does it mean to belong to Christ? What does it mean to belong to him? You see, the shirt I'm wearing belongs to me. I went to a store and I saw that shirt hanging on the rack and I thought to myself, I like that shirt for no reason. This shirt didn't do anything. It wasn't special. It didn't do anything uh, uh, that, that made me uh, want to buy it. It's just like every other shirt. But guess what? I looked at it and I said, all right, I want that. And I took my money out and I purchased that shirt and I took it home with me. And guess what? When I want to wear this shirt, I put it on. And when I put it on, then it becomes useful to me. And when I don't want this shirt, guess where it stays? In my closet or in my suitcase? This shirt doesn't tell me, you're going to wear me today. It doesn't say, hey, it's a little bit hot outside. Don't take me out there today. I want to stay in the closet. It doesn't tell me any of those things. Why? Because this shirt was made for me. I wasn't made for this shirt. This shirt belongs to me. I don't belong to this shirt. We need to understand in the body of Christ that you and I belong to Jesus. He does not belong to us. He purchased us with his blood. We didn't do anything to deserve that. So when he's ready to use you and he's ready for you and he calls for you, you just be ready to go and do what he says. You be ready to go and, and say what he says, give what he says, act like what he says, obey what he says. Why? Because just as I am greater than this shirt, God is so much greater than us. And he doesn't have to consult, he doesn't have to ask us if we're ready today. Are you ready today to be worn? Are you ready today? No, no, no. I belong to Jesus. He doesn't belong to me. I belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. See, many Christians want, us, want Jesus to serve them and their agenda instead of us serving Jesus. And I can prove it to you by the way we pray. We pray and we tell Jesus what we want him to do instead of asking him what he wants us to do. Have you ever thought about that? We, we come to him with a list and we say, okay, Lord, uh, I'm serving you today. I'm doing my devotions this morning and I want you to do this. I want you to do this for my wife. I want you to do this for my kids. And by the way, uh, you know the rent's due and so I'm going to need this. And, and we, give these, we give these lists to him and then we take off and we don't talk to him for the rest of the day until we get ready to go to sleep at night. And then we say, oh, hey, hey Lord, how you doing? You know, we give him our list instead of spending time and saying, hey, God, what can I do for you today? I belong to you, Jesus. My life belongs to you, Jesus. My world belongs to you, Jesus. My money belongs to you, Jesus. My home belongs to you, Jesus. Everything that I have comes from you. How can I use this today to serve your purposes in the earth? That's the Christian that has learned to lay down their life and pour out their life so that Jesus can pour into them. And I'm telling you, when you walk in that place, God is going to amaze you. He's going to do things in you and through you that you never dreamed were even possible. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. What is this verse telling us? A new life is a gift from God. 
He brought us back to him through Christ's obedience, death, and resurrection. Man, I love this. Jesus is the one that brings us back to the Father, and he lived the life that he lived so that you and I could be reconciled to God, so that you and I would have a, an opportunity to come to God and pour ourselves out and receive this new life and have new marching orders and live for heaven instead of living for earth. We couldn't do it without Jesus. And it says something amazing. He reconciled us to have a relationship with him and to give us purpose. And that purpose is living a life that reconciles others to him. In the New King James Version, it says he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And I, I shared with you, my wife and I right now, we're using water filters to reconcile people to God. That's the only reason we're doing that. Thank God there are two purposes because we're helping people with their, with their bodily needs, but we're doing something more than that. We're helping them with a spiritual need that they have that's way greater, amen? And I want to just share with you, we hadn't always done that. We've done different things. We, we've, we've done different things. If you try to give water filters away here, that's not going to work in Bay City, Amen? That's not going to work. But you know what I believe? I believe that as we pray and we say, God, what is the key? We use that filter as a key to get us in the door to be able to share the love of God with other people. And I want to tell you today, whatever God puts on your heart, he will give you a key that will open up the door for your neighbors. He will give you a key that will open up the door in your workplace. He'll give you a key that will open up the door everywhere that you go in your community. He'll put things on your heart if you'll pour some of you out and allow him to pour some of him in. He desires that you that we all have this ministry of reconciliation and we work together to bring others to him because of what his son Jesus did on the cross for us. It's an amazing thing. And my prayer this week has been that God is going to release creative ideas, creative strategies, Pastor, to reach this area for Jesus Christ, that God would give the, the members of this church and the, the teenagers how you can go into your school and win people to the Lord and share the gospel of Jesus Christ in creative ways. Verse 19 says this, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So last verse, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now this verse, he's given us the message of reconciliation. So God isn't just telling us, go do this. He's saying, go do this, and this is what I want you to say. This is the, ministry, or this is the message that I want you to give them. And what is it? God is no longer counting your sin against you because Jesus paid your debt that you owed God. I don't know what better news in the world there is than that. That's good news. How many of you like sharing good news? I remember years ago, Chick-fil-A was given in our town on Thursday mornings was giving away free Chick-fil-A minis on Thursday mornings. Do they do that here? Y'all know what I'm talking about? If they don't, you better call Chick-fil-A because they may be doing it here. But I remember when I found that out, I was so excited. And I, w I went back, I my office was in the church, and I found it out. And I got on the phone, I started calling my friends. Hey, their Chick-fil-A's giving away free chicken minis until 10 o'clock this morning. Y'all get up here. And you know what happened? Most of my friends already knew. And I was so mad, I said, you knew that? How long have you known this? Oh, months. And I said, you hadn't told me? How do you think your friends are going to react when they realize the goodness of God and you've been living that close to them and you hadn't even shared with them. You haven't even told them how amazing he is, how good he tastes. 
You hadn't told him what he's doing in your life and how he's changed you and how he's moving in your life. How he's moving in your life. He's given us this wonderful message of reconciliation and it's so beautiful and good news is made to be shared. It's made to be shared with other people. And my prayer is God is going to give you some opportunities this week. He's going to give you some people. He's going to put you in situations and the Holy Ghost is going to quicken your mind. And he's going to bring those things back to you and remind you those things. This last verse here, look. We're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's the message this morning. That's the word of reconciliation. Come back to God. That's what God is asking us to share with others. Come back to God. It says we're Christ's ambassadors. I want you to understand what that is. An ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank. You can imagine how amazing it would be to be an ambassador of the United States of America and know that when you go to a foreign country, you have the backing of the president, you have the backing of the full United States military, and you have a word that's been given to you by this government to deliver to another nation. Imagine how you would walk into a room if you knew that you had all that behind you. You wouldn't just say, uh, can I come in? Can I, can I share a little something with you guys? I wanted to just, you know, maybe take a minute of your time and just share. You wouldn't do that. You'd walk in and kick the door open. And you'd walk in, not cocky, but you would walk in confident, knowing that you have a backing. Let me tell you something. When this says you're Christ's ambassadors, it doesn't mean that you have the backing of America. What it means is that you have the backing of God. You have the backing of Jesus Christ, that all heaven's authority is behind you. And when you go into a place, you have that authority to speak on behalf of Jesus Christ. This message that he's given us, not your message, not my message, but he his message. And when you speak that message, demons begin to tremble. When you speak that message, these principalities and powers that we were talking about begin to come down and begin to fall, not because of you and not because of me, but because of Jesus Christ that lives in us. We're ambassadors for Christ. Verse 21 says, for God has made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. How is it possible that a sinful man can approach a holy God? It's only possible because of Jesus, because of the cross. Now I want to pray this morning as we get ready to close. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you today, Father, for the power of the word of God, for the power of the gospel. Lord, you said if you be lifted up, you would draw all men unto yourself. You would draw mankind unto yourself. Jesus, we're so thankful today for your sacrifice on the cross. We're so thankful today that you bled and died for us, that you gave your life for us. Lord, I just ask you today in Jesus' name, if there's anyone here that doesn't have a relationship with you, anyone here that's not walking close with you, and they have a desire today to do that, and they say, God, you brought me here today to hear what your son Jesus has done so that I could be reconciled to you, so that I could be brought back to you. If that's you today and you're here in this place, we're not even going to ask you to come down front. I just want to ask you today with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you know God is speaking to you and you do not have a relationship with him, but you desire one today, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right with God. I need to give my life to Jesus. If that's you all over this place, just raise your hand quickly. Now we want to pray for you before we leave today. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hallelujah. God sees it more importantly. Hallelujah.
I want to give you just a moment. We want to pray for you right where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come down. I am going to ask you after we pray that you come and tell Pastor Noe or one of the elders here the decision you've made today so that they can help you continue to walk with Jesus. So would you just do me a favor? Would everybody pray this out loud with me today? Would you just say, Father, in Jesus' name, I repent of my sins. I pour out my life so that you can pour your life into me. Jesus, forgive me. Save me. Make me a new creation. Give me a new heart that will live all the days of my life for you. Fill my mouth with this word of reconciliation. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen, hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? <laughs> hallelujah. I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to share today. I want to thank you for listening today. And uh, do we have a couple of minutes or we need to close? Yep. So here's what I feel like if we've got just a couple of minutes. If God is speaking to you this morning, sometimes we need to make a prophetic act when the Word of God comes forward and we can, we can do something in the natural for a spiritual reason. Amen? And if God is speaking to you today and you know there are some things you need to pour out, and I'm not talking about sins. I'm talking about just, man, this thing is taking up too much room. It's taking up too much of what I want to do for God. I've got, I, I don't have margin in my life to really serve God like I want to. If that's you, really quickly, I'm going to ask you just to respond and come forward to the front real quick. And I want to pray for you today before we dismiss the service. So if that's you, come quick, come quick. Hallelujah. Come quick and we're going to pray. I know I need to be here. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to pray for me as well. The Holy Spirit speaking to you. Come if he's not. Yeah, don't worry. Would you, be, would, you, would you stand to your feet with me today? Hallelujah. And if you don't need to come, would you pray with us for the ones that have come this morning? Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Father, I thank you today for the power of the Holy Ghost. I thank you today, Father, for your love. I thank you today, Father, for the word of God because it opens us up, God. It opens up our hearts, God, and it reveals things to us. And I thank you today, Father, even as I was preaching today, God, you're revealing things to me. God, I thank you for those who have come to this front this morning, God, and who are saying, God, there are things in my life that I want to pour out. I want to encourage you right where you are. Just begin to tell the Lord, God, I pour this out to you right now. God, I pour out this worry. I pour out this doubt. I pour out these, these time-consuming things. I pour these things out because I want to receive more of you in my life. I want more of that Zoe life to flow into me so that I would have power for this ministry of reconciliation and this word of reconciliation that you've given me. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name all over the front that you would begin to feel afresh in Jesus' name. God, that you would touch in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Lord, as they pour out of themselves, I thank you that you're pouring into them today, God. I thank you that you're filling them fresh today, oh God. In Jesus' name, let the power of the Holy Spirit flow into them today, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you 
you for it in Jesus' name. Lord, fill them today. Fill them afresh and anew today, God. More of you, Jesus. More of you and less of us, God. More of you, God, and less of us. Father, I thank you for this couple. God, bless them today in Jesus' name. Fill them, God, in Jesus' name. More, Father. Lord, they desire more in Jesus' name. Fill them with more today in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for it. We praise you for it. God, we give you glory and honor for everything that you've done in the house today. And Lord, I just thank you for my friends. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word today. And we love you. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.